0: and bridging the gap between type design (beep) and introsword left. Hello everyone and welcome to the Interrogating Podcast, your weekly shot of typography news and notes, where we'll share with you some new type releases from the past week, and what has got us thinking in the world of type design and or creativity. The Interrogating Podcast is an extension of Proof Co, a website dedicated to the ever-changing landscape of independent typography and bridging the gap between type designers and type consumers through insightful content and research. I'm your host, Joshua Dick along with interrogating co-host, the incredibly talented and committed type enthusiast, and a man who once wrote a play with me in 8th grade drama class, Kyle Reed. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. Hi, Josh. Uh,
1: I love that fact. Do you, do you have a copy of that play? I do not have a copy of that play. I don't know if <laughs> anybody saved that. No, it's lost to time. Uh, I don't know why you would want to save that.
0: I'm glad they didn't. I think we got pretty existential. We we were dealing with life yes. and death in that yes. play. I think we were troubled young men.
1: It was a real nod to some kind of deep Russian playwriting thing.
0: I don't really know. <laughs> hey, That was one of the first times we met. I thought that was great. We missed our calling. Mm-hmm. Here in the Interrogang, we will be asking lots of questions about things we are curious about. But we are not the authority on the topics discussed here. We hope to simply serve as conversation starters, and hopefully will pique your interest in topics that get you thinking about new things in exciting ways, or old things in deeper ways. We will be referring to the Proof & Co weekly newsletter in this and every episode, which you can subscribe to at ProofCo.xyz to use as a visual reference. Here we are now in week 15, 2021.
1: Hi, everyone. Yes, let's jump right into it. Week 15, 2021. So starting things off with Chassis, the latest family released from R-Typography. Chassis is a collection of editorially focused types inspired by classic design stylings from the likes of Garamond, Janin, and Grandjean. Uh, It's a family that feels old school, definitely embodies the spirit of old-fashioned printing types and the icons of type history. But designer Rui Abreu reimagines the iconic touch points of these designers with his own distinct and modern flair. Uh, It's true, you can really see Rui's hand in this design. It's pretty unmistakable. Uh, Across all 18 fonts in the collection, so that's three weights of Roman and italics, Across each of the collection's three optical styles. Uh, on a side note, here it might be the start, or you know, of filling out of another bubble for us uh, to keep our eyes on, Josh. Yeah, um, it's a a new wave of classicist revivals. We've mm. seen a bunch of these. Uh, Chessy sits squarely in with other recently released types like Heldan from Klim, or the not as recently released Quarto from. H and H and Co. Um, interesting stuff to keep tabs on. I think this is a style that we'll be yeah. talking about a
0: lot. This is a this is a really classy yeah. font. I like this one a lot. I'm a I'm a sucker for serifs, and this is a top level release. Going to
1: take our attention to France now with Altes from Type, Type of Fonderie. Uh Altes is a beautiful formal script font uh, designed by Jean Francois Porchet. And designed sorry, and inspired by copperplate engravings and historical French script models. Um, I know this might be weird to say, but it feels French. It has a more emphatic and emotive quality to it than standard copperplate scripts, uh, with bulbous terminals, expressive swashes, and an expert eye for well-drawn curves. Uh, I honestly cannot nail down exactly what makes it feel French, but it does. So Altest is available as a family of five optical sizes, uh, which is a good move. It helps it stack up against the other most notable script typefaces released recently, Carta Nueva from Sharp Type Co., which also has five optical sizes. It's nice to have some script options for the 21st century, even if they are derived from centuries ago. And lastly, the release that I really want to draw our attention to from this past week is Immortelle the latest to come out of the doors of 205 TF. So here's why this is so cool. Uh, Immortel is a serif type family with four variants, infra, cholera, vena, and acedia, uh, developed according to the Hippocratic Theory of Humors. Speaking of drama class, um, <laughs> I definitely had to look these up. Do you know what this is, Josh? <laughs> you, have you ever heard of the Hippocratic, Hippocratic Theory of Humors?
0: Yes, though I could not. Tell you anything worth? <laughs> You're knowing. an actor. You've heard of this, yeah? Uh-oh.
1: Uh oh, being quizzed sounds like something you would know.
0: Uh-huh.
1: No, it's honestly, I had to look this one up. The Hippocratic theory of humors is an old philosophy or theory uh, of well wellness derived by Hippocrates in the early 1500s. I guess maybe even before, um, but this was before the Renaissance or even before medicine, alchemy, and magic were separated as different fields, you know, the golden age of when there was something cosmic about, uh, you know, humanity. Um, It basically states that one of, uh, that of the four humors, which are black bile, yellow bile, phlegm, and blood. Oof, this is like a little gross. Just a reminder,
0: Uh, this is a typography (laughs) process you're listening to. You You didn't change your dial it's, yes, we're, you're still you're still
1: here when these humors were in balance, health prevailed. So that's the theory when these kind of like liquids, these four formations of human in insides were in in balance, health prevailed uh, when they are out of balance or vitiated in some way. This is a term from Google uh, disease took over. So interesting. This is an utterly fascinating starting point for a collection of typefaces. Which is something that I think uh, we can talk about more. Bring on the um, flam! Designer, <laughs> designer Clement letoyer Nere. Uh, he took these four humors as a starting point to explore a range of expressions and translate them into four distinct type families. It seems he wanted to make a cohesive collection of fonts that drew from four different historical references, four different personality traits four different optical restraints in typesetting all in what amounts to an incredible homage to four different typographic philosophies. This is a very deep piece of type design. It was actually started in ANRT, uh, in France as a student thesis, I guess, but uh, it has a great write-up. If you really want to de- dig deep into this typeface, I highly recommend, you know, getting on the weekly and jumping on that link because we, uh, we do link to it.
0: Block out a good 45 minutes to an hour. It, it oh, yeah. goes in
1: depth. It's great. Yeah. So it's a, it's a deep project. It's a little insane, which I think the best type projects are. And uh, it's a fascinatingly weird project that delivers a really beautiful collection of types. Um, I just love it. So uh, what about you, Josh? What did you catch in week 15?
0: I want to talk about a release on that's currently on Future Fonts. It's Spook, Mm -hmm. maybe Spuck. It's spelled S-P-U-K. Spuck doesn't sound right. So we're going to go with Spook.
1: I can't can't believe it would be Spuck, but that's
0: kind of fun. (laughs) We'll see what I call it as we talk about this. Sure. Uh, Blast Foundry put out this, and uh, being a future fonts release, it's a version 0.1. But let me describe it, I guess, before I, I start talking about it. This is a variable typeface that starts with a solid block letter but the process that they used started with the question what would happen if we use a variable font axis to make the letters completely disappear mm. and so the as you vary the design it dissolves into a stencil version of the typeface and then yeah. disappears completely from the stencil and so to watch this type animated is really beautiful really fascinating stuff it looks like water is leaking up from the ground and forming these words oh that's if a cool if you go way to put from it. the disappeared to the full or if you were to do it the disappear way it looks very spooky very creepy as if it has dissolved into ghostdom. hence the name uh, hence the name Spock. and Spuck. <laughs> what's this this is such an This seems so innovative to me. Uh, Kyle and I were talking about this. Mm -hmm. Kyle, you you can't think of a a time uh, combining the solid version and a a faded stencil version. You don't usually have a, a variable font move into a stencil, correct?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things that feels so obvious and so right for the variable font technology that you're surprised it hasn't really been done or explored that deeply yet. But this typeface does it in flying colors. I absolutely love how they go from the solid to a stencil to a nothing. Uh, it's a really innovative thing.
0: I certainly don't remember seeing it, but that's not saying much. But to watch it in action is very cool. And it's definitely something that's greater than the sum of its parts. When you see just the yeah. the non-animated solid or faded stencil. They're fine. They look good. The solid is, is fun and quirky. No straight lines, mm-hmm. really. Uh, a little goofy. The the stencil- Yeah, it's
1: got a, a soft character to the it. The
0: stencil is solid, but it does look like it's you've taken chunks out of the solid version. And so they're fine, but the actual animation, and they say in the description that animation was in mind mm-hmm. for this. Sure. And so my question to you, Kyle, how often with variable fonts do you think the animation, the going from one side to the other is the point of the font. I
1: can't speak to how often that would be done, but I can only imagine it's, it's rarely the actual goal of typefaces for so long has been in just two dimensions. It's even rare that it goes into the third dimension. Um, but starting to take the fourth dimension into consideration as this does, of. you know, designing for a specific animation technique or something. Uh, I think it's it's really, one, innovative, as I've said, and two, uh, just a right use of the technology. It's really cool.
0: I cannot tell you how f-ing cool I think it is that you just incorporated the fourth dimension <laughs> into this type design. We it's, have entered the fourth dimension. We have
1: entered the fourth dimension. We have
0: boundless possibilities. Yes. We're coming for you, fifth.
1: It's very spucky. It's
0: super spucky (laughs) all day long.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. I think designing for animation, there have been a couple of typefaces out there that are like kind of files set up in After Effects or something like that, that uh, are templates for animation, but that's not really the same thing. This is a font that has animation in its DNA.
0: Well, how many variable fonts dare to go to a disappeared font? I mean, if animation's not the Point. Why would you ever disappear? It's very cool mm-hmm. that they would go so far as to just get rid of it as part absolutely. of absolutely variation.
1: Uh, yeah, really innovative stuff. Uh, I'm glad that it's premiering on future future fonts. This is one of those things that I think will benefit from some uh, crowd participation, um, and you can actually follow the development of it. I I don't know where they're going to take this. There's already awesome. Um, because weight change is kind of built into this variable axis. Uh, maybe they'll come up with a couple of different characters that can do the same thing, or uh, like personalities that can do the, do the same thing. I don't know. This will be an interesting
0: one to follow. Bless you future fonts. You always give me something to talk about. <laughs> you have a fan in Josh. So one of the big things we talk about in our intro, I'm sure you've all heard it, that here at (laughs) Roof & Co, one of our big missions is to bridge the gap between the current type community and people outside the type community. And this is something we've been working on. We find it to be uh, an interesting conversation topic at the very least. Mm -hmm. And so, with that in mind, I, I have a question for Kyle. Yeah, you still there? Okay. Um, <laughs> how well do you think, on a scale from one to four, mm-hmm. one being not at all, four being very well? How, in general, how well do you think the the general public understands typography? It's a broad question, but just just. And by general public, you mean yeah, non-type non type -type literate the random person off the street
1: gotcha uh how much do i think they understand typography if i were just to ask them the street i'd say like a one and a half maybe like pretty low pretty low not very not very much right
0: this is a uh, we asked this in a in a unscientific twitter poll about two years Mm -hmm. ago so this this may have changed but 82 percent answered one 82 percent said not at all. <laughs> Makes uh, sense. Next question for you. How important then do you think it is that the type industry works to improve the understanding? Or it isn't even on the shoulders of the type industry. How important do you, is it that we improve typography education to the to everybody? On a scale of one to four? On a scale from one to four, one, not necessary at all. Four, very necessary. Uh,
1: I would as a type person, I'd probably say three and a half or four.
0: As someone who's doing this podcast, you better say four. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We, we posed this question also in a non-scientific Twitter poll and four came away the winner with 40% Mm -hmm. of the, of the answers. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then finally, what, what do you think the focus should be when introducing those outside the type world to the type industry? Do you think Mm -hmm. the uh, impact of type design in culture? Do you think type business and how the type business works? Do you think the people and the foundries that are out there in info on, on people and foundries or insight on the type design process? What would be your go-to hmm. that we should work harder on?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Uh, Thank you. I'd say probably types impact on culture. Uh, with a close second being, you know, more info about the foundries and designers and personalities within it.
0: So the in our poll, the importance of of design in culture came away the winner at at forty seven percent.
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's made, that's like the most relevant and uh, pretty important.
0: Easy to to make that interesting to to someone who and relatable to someone who's coming in. Yeah. So that's right. So we've we've asked this question before. We're interested very much in how these how the information can get out there and how people can get interested or at least just have a, a better understanding. But let's get a little deeper into what this bridging the gap idea really is. Yeah. Why do you think typography is so hard for people? Why do you think it it I mean, obviously it seems like there's a, a pretty big mm-hmm. rift that those who aren't thinking about type design, or at least a perception in the type world that no one else knows what the hell we're doing. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Uh,
1: uh, very good
0: question. I think there is a historical
1: precedent <laughs> for typography. Typography has always been designed to be invisible, right? It's always meant to carry information and be the vehicle through which communication happens rather than the focus of the communication itself if you were noticed you were probably doing a poor job as a typographer or a typesetter that has been changing over the last 20 to 30 years with digital type and internet presence and a growing democratized world of of communication where typography plays a bigger role i think people are not as wired to you know really dive into how they are, like you know, the nitty gritty of how they're communicating, and they just really focus on what they're communicating. Um, so it's a the idea of getting typography out there to a new level of understanding for people in the world is going to have to involve creating some new neural pathways for for most of the general public.
0: Now we asked in one of the questions uh, what the type world thinks how important it is to bring new people. Or, or outsiders mm-hmm. in for someone who's yeah. out do uh, do you do people need a type knowledge beyond what's on their word processor?
1: I would say yes, now, especially more than even two years ago if you had asked me that question. Um, interesting. I, only because more of a more of our communication is being done through typography as opposed to face-to-face conversations whether it's brands trying to communicate with people in advertising it's all done through type or it's just trying to talk to your friends and family most of that is done through text message email uh and and blogs so that we get our news through typography um and not just through Walter Cronkite talking heads right i think there's a heightened requirement for typographic literacy if you will
0: there's a quality of communication that's inherent in it, especially when you have more options. Though I do think that enters into a conversation of if you have so many fonts for an untrained eye, is that just overwhelming?
1: Yes, there is a point where uh, There's a breaking more board. knowledge would not do uh, the average person any good.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Uh, a little bit more literacy I think is, is good and necessary and required going forward, but too much uh, would just be pointless.
0: It would still require everybody a curator needs to know. somewhere out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about. Well, I'm trying to think. I am a type outsider. <laughs> I'm my fascination yes. is in its infancy, and while I'm paying attention, I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And there all our listeners go. <laughs> but I think about when I first heard you talk about typography back when you were in college. I mean, you you had an interest before, but yeah, you really found it in college. And I was such a d- <laughs> You would tell me about your fascination and and your passion for this. Mm-hmm. And I gave what I'm sure every person in type has heard of a there are people who do that. Yeah, sure, That's a yeah. thing. Yeah. Which is a stupid question. But if you ask it if That's you ask it once, it's fine. But I kept doing it for like a couple years. <laughs> Where I was like, I that's s- when it becomes a question. I still question, think right. that's just crazy that, that there's still a need for this. And of course, I have since I'm so mad at myself that I was so <laughs> ignorant. But I'm Don't
1: feel any shame about well, this, Josh. I, this <laughs> is my mea
0: culpa. I'm working I'm I'm working myself back in your you good graces by doing this podcast, I hope. Oh, um, sweet. <laughs> how am I doing? <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, it sounds like you're doing okay. Okay, good. <laughs> but I, th- I, I assume a lot of people in type run into that. I, mm-hmm. I have, I guess here's where I'm getting my comeuppance when I tell people about this podcast who don't yeah. know anything about type, and their question right. is, "So what's this now?" Mm-hmm. Tell me more. And it's, it, sh- it shouldn't be that the word typography is not in someone's lexicon, but I. Right.
1: Most people know what it is, well, but that's where their I would, knowledge. I would kind say, of stops. and I'd be
0: curious what other people think. I would say it's not in people's working knowledge, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, not everyone, not a not a majority, but a handful. Yeah. So that's why I I'm <laughs> I think about this as it's obviously necessary, as you say, it's a quality of communication argument. It's in your life. It's one of those beautiful things that you may mm-hmm. go through your entire life and never notice, but it's been there every step of the way.
1: I feel like this is where bringing a bridge to the conversation really helps out. Uh, it, we're building a bridge, basically like an access point. The fact that there are more bridges being created between those kinds of communities, those uh, you know, folks who don't know very much about type and folks who do, um, the heck, it's it's all potential and upside for improved communication, improved quality of life uh improved understanding,
0: increase of knowledge yeah it, it, the bridge is there to facilitate that and we've gotten some really great feedback that I'm very happy about from mm-hmm. people who are not type people who who admit that they c- don't come from a knowledge base of of the typography world yeah. who have said to me that they are enjoying our podcast. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, all of you. Thank you. And that they are finding so many yep. parallels to their craft or their projects or their creativity, music and performance, yes. dance, all these different mediums that I've had wonderful conversations about. It's all it's all in there. It's all coming from the same kernel. Mm-hmm. And- the Mm -hmm. parallels are very evident. And that, I think, is where we can find those bridges the easiest. It's going to expand your uh, understanding or experience experience as you move through the world. Yeah. And that's... Yeah, that's right. I I think that's a, a door for just about anybody.
1: Yeah, there within lies the real key. It's this idea of connection to to really anything.
0: Um, so let's finish on this question. On a scale from one to 10, Kyle, how well would you say that I know typography?
1: Ooh, putting me on the spot. Be
0: honest. You
1: know typography. Uh, the answer is- Whatever that question means to you. <laughs> uh, you're climbing up the ranks. I- I don't know if putting a number on it would be fair. Uh,
0: Oh, no, you are
1: not getting (laughs) off. Am I not getting out of this one? Uh, All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to give you an honest answer of
0: four. I will take it. Is that better than what you thought? I was (laughs) going to give myself a generous four. Okay,
1: cool. Well, I think I gave you a a rounded up four. We'll say that.
0: And if we. If we could all be at least a four, we would yeah. all be better off for it. Sure, Let's a just couple say more that.
1: of these episodes, maybe you'll you'll bump up a, a number.
0: I am the bar. <laughs> Meet me at the bar, everyone.
1: We'll do Meet a show. Me at the bar. <laughs> I love it. That's a great one to end on. Let's roll out to the outro. That's that's great.
0: Okay. And that's it for this week's interrogate. Special thanks to Andrew Spheris, as always, our editor and all things Tech Master. Original music featured throughout this episode was also composed by Andrew Spheris. The Interrogating Podcast can be found on our website, proofco.xyz podcast, as well as on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and just about anywhere you find your podcasts. If you want to receive more type news and notes, head to our website, and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter at proof underscore end underscore co, or email us at hello at proofco.xyz. If you have any questions for us, or thoughts on what we discussed in any of our episodes, or if you've ever been a to anyone about typography, we'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks for being a part of the Interrogang. We'll see you next week.
1: Yeah, it's been like this huge deer park. Exhibit. Yeah, what are you gonna
0: do about that?
1: Birds are slowly eating it and they'll, no, they'll clean can't just let it stay They'll there. clean the bones over the next week or two. That's it's just your gonna be solution? a skeleton. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is Colorado, man. This ain't Pittsburgh. Call the Roadkill Department.
0: The Manhattanite in me is just <laughs> flabbergasted.
1: Yeah, we're just like, oh that's cool, look at that. It's something to look at for the next week. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.